Hello and welcome to the Oddcast Ireland's Musical Theatre podcast. We have another episode overflowing with musical theatre fun today where we delve into the latest news from Broadway and the West End, chat about what's going on right here in Ireland on the Association of Irish Musical Society circuit and play Bill Clinton's swag where we share our four favourite musical theatre albums. That's before Adam gives Dan and I his verdict on whose show recommendation from the last episode has won his much sought after approval. We'll also be joined by the wonderful Bronwyn Andrews, who shares her experience performing in a show that was cancelled mid-production by lockdown, as well as telling us about her time working in musical theatre in London. I am, of course, joined by my co-hosts, the incorrigible Daniel Ryan and Adam Trundle. Another fortnight in lockdown, fellas. Have you finished Netflix yet? Yeah. <laughs> I've completed it. I've got 100% in Netflix. Good. And Good job. I've even started playing multiplayer Netflix. So have you tried that new <laughs> Netflix party thing? <laughs> It's very good. So like you download a a Google Chrome extension and you just start uh, watching and there's a little chat box. It's it's kind of like very reminiscent of AOL or MSN back when in the day. So as you're watching the film, you can just pop little messages in. Um, Though the one issue is if you pause the movie, it pauses it for everybody, which I guess makes sense. So you're actually watching the same thing. And how many people like I presume this is only your friends that you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it's not completely like you don't have you don't have six thousand people watching jaws <laughs> no <laughs> and, and you're going pausing sorry guys just have to go to the bathroom she dropped a malteser under the couch got a, i don't know where it's gone i sat on the remote again i'm really sorry there was one where like pierce brosnan did a watch party of goldeneye did you see this oh, wow no i didn't see that that's yeah really cool. yeah he he basically they set up this watch party i can't remember what it was on but you essentially could uh could do a watch party with Pierce Brosnan and like that you could do the little chat texts I mean I I love how you referenced AOL and instant messenger I think like that's tantamount for most people to referencing (laughs) OM yeah yeah granddad yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so this is is apparently a thing yeah you never know we might get the Ames award in some kind of watch party mode oh Mm. good idea that's an idea the nominations anyway let's be hopeful that the Ames awards will go ahead as planned in September let's let's keep some optimism I enjoy your hope I enjoy your hope (laughs) you know in the wise words of Elle Woods, let's keep it positive. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> and that's a musical theater reference for everybody. <laughs> beautiful sentiments. So that brings us on to news from the world of professional musical theater. Dan, you've been keeping an eye on what's going on on West End and Broadway. Give it to us. Everything's still closed. Got it. Everything <laughs> Update. Everything's still closed. It's all terrible out there. Um, Thanks, Emil. But, well, before we get to that, probably the biggest news of all is that, in case the listeners are wondering, I do have a sexy new mic for a sexy new sound. Oh. Just <laughs> beautiful. Your tones have never sounded more dulcet. Yeah, it's so good. It's so I'm good. sure there so were people good. listening thinking, why did they replace the third guy? Did they yeah. wouldn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> That's genuinely what I was afraid of. It was like when I get when I got the mic, I was going to be like, oh, imagine because you know, like in up, no way the the evil dog. And when his thing is broken, <laughs> he has a really high pitched squeaky voice. And then when it gets fixed, it like drops way down. And I was terrified that the people were like, oh, oh, he didn't always sound like that. Oh, oh, okay, whoa, whoa. Anyway. Moving on from myself, uh, yes, so in terms of the world of like, professional theatre, the big kind of news this week is that, and you would think that obviously award ceremonies and stuff would no longer happen, you're wrong, the Drama Ooh. Desk Award nominations were announced this week. Ooh la la. So obviously, like, all kind of gatherings in any kind of enclosed space 
is a big no-no at the moment. So instead, these will be what they're calling digital awards, so they'll all be streamed live online, and that's on the 31st of May. Now, for anyone who's kind of like, what's a, what's a Drama Desk Award? It's, yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah, it's basically to the Tony Awards, what like the Golden Globes are to the Oscars kind of thing, you know? Okay. Maybe even less mainstream than that. You probably remember the Critics' Choice Awards, like, but mm-hmm. the idea is that you know it kind of it recognizes more, I suppose, off Broadway and off off Broadway stuff. Uh, whereas the Tony Awards is purely for like Broadway productions, you know, and they're not afraid to kind of you know nominate a few unknowns and a few small ones. Now, obviously, because you know the lockdown of like Broadway and the whole theater world has been going on now for about a good four or five weeks at least. And we're kind of in the middle of a season or kind of in the middle of a time right now when a lot of shows would be coming out and they would, you know, a lot of shows were cancelled midway through previews or they were just about to open and stuff. So Mm. much like the kind of AIM circuit this year, like the number of shows that were eligible obviously is greatly depleted this year by that fact. But having said that, there's still kind of, I suppose, you know, the kind of eye-raising moment from it really is that of like across the kind of best play and best musical categories, you only had one show that's technically a Broadway show that was nominated. And that was in the play category. The Inheritance was nominated. And in the best musical category, so kind of your best new musical, there was no show that had been on Broadway this year actually was nominated. Now, that that was the headline that I read that like piqued my interest. I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's a bit of a snub. But then when I did a bit more digging, when you look at the musicals that actually have opened on Broadway this year that would have been eligible, mm. it doesn't. It's not. The, it's not the best list. <laughs> okay. it's not the best. Are you saying there are bad Broadway musicals? Well, well, like you might be surprised. Like I mean, like the Alanis Morissette musical "Jagged Little Pill," like that wasn't nominated, and like either that has to be a surprise because I think that got pretty reasonable write-ups. Yeah, and like yeah, look fine. You either tolerate Alanis Morissette or you don't. Like, but. <laughs> Like, aside from that, that was the kind of one I was like, oh, that's a bit surprising it's not there. But the other ones that you're talking, like Moulin Rouge, which, first of all, opened so long ago, it's not relevant anymore. <laughs> but, and, and just, no. And then Tina, <laughs> which is Tina Tur- the Tina Turner musical, again. That's you know, been on the West End for quite a while, hasn't it? It has. And, you know, a lot was, I think there was a lot of high hopes for it when it transferred to Broadway. And it might still do well at the Tony Awards, but the snobs over the drama desk were like, no, thank you. <laughs> and then the last one, which I didn't even know was a musical, but it's Lightning Thief, the Percy Jackson musical. Mm, yeah. Um, which, again, no. So it, <laughs> it, when, you, when, when you do a bit of digging on it, it, it's not that shocking that you're kind of like, okay, it kind of makes a bit more sense. But, you know, and so obviously you're wondering, well, if these, if these like savage shows didn't get nommed, who did? Yeah. I got the answer for you right here. So leading the way with 11 nominations in total is the musical Soft Power. Mm. Now, like not a whisper of this had ever made its way to me. So no, I was never I had, to, had, to do, had to dig, had to do a bit of digging. <laughs> but it basically, it explores America's kind of place in the world right now from kind of a political stance and particularly from the point of view of like China and the kind of, you know, what their impression of like, you know, the USA is right now. And it's about a kind of a go-getter theater producer in Shanghai who strikes up, and I'm, I'm literally quoting right here, who strikes up, a powerful bond with Hillary Clinton. Okay. <laughs> so let's just absorb that. Based on a true story or completely made up? 
It has to be made up, surely. I kind of know this one. Like, elements of it, I think, are biographical. As in, there is a Hillary Clinton. Or, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, um, this, the, the guy who wrote the book and lyrics, David Henry Wang, to this, he he's Chinese-American. And, okay. you know, he had suffered racism, and I think he was the victim of racially motivated attack. And I think some oh, of that right. stuff makes it into it and it's the basis for the show okay but it's it's a crazy crazy show like the music i have to say it's just brilliant it's by janine tesori who did shrek the musical thoroughly modern millie violet if mm. if you know any of those shows and it, it's a really lush 22 piece orchestra almost traditional in a in a, a rogers and hammerstein kind of way but it has has a quite a modern twist to it so Anybody who's looking for something to listen to on on Spotify, I would say get on that. But it's it's sort of mental. It like has Hillary Clinton featured in a Wonder Woman costume, and yeah. uh, there's it, it, there's all this discussion about the value of democracy and whether democracy has failed America in managing to elect Donald Trump. In okay, essence, so it's very top. So I guess. and and all all of that is mixed into obviously the experience of Chinese Americans and Chinese immigrants in mm. America and. And the extent to which there are racial issues at play there. So, which again is very current, I suppose. Massively so. Very, very theater. Dan, are there any famous uh, faces nominated? Actually, like you know, usually in the Tony is there'd be a big film actor who's done a play. Is there anyone? Funnily enough, yes. Like kind of, kind of moving down through like the acting categories. You know, if I'm from an Irish standpoint, um, Ruth Nega is nominated oh. for outstanding actress in a play. Um, so someone to root for. for one. Rose Byrne of Bridesmaids and mm-hmm. all kind of other break of movies fame she's also in the same category as that from kind of an odd theater perspective you know <laughs> little top of horrors is up for best revival of a musical our production um, <laughs> our, our, our actual one would you believe it wow <laughs> you'd think they would have sent me a letter or something yeah. <laughs> really i got the invite um but um and kind of the stars from that so tammy blanchard who plays audrey she's up for mm. outstanding actress christian borle who plays the dentist and he's been in a rake of shows on broadway very famous guy he's also up for best supporting actor and then kind of this what i love about the drama desk awards is that and you have your kind of your, your traditional kind of musical and play and your revival and then your your acting awards your sound design your costume etc yeah. but then there's kind of you know kind of a, a few kind of quirky ones down at the end that right. just really caught my eye like, there's a separate award for wig and hair design which i think is great <laughs> like, I, just, I, just love, I just love the idea that like you know that somebody's like, somebody's job among the drama desk people is to go to a show and just purely focus on the wigs and the hair like uh-huh. just literally yeah. just watching that bit of, and like the top and nothing else love that, that. Is incredible that's a weird one to put you on your linkedin isn't it like yeah. wig adjudicator <laughs> then there's also an award for unique theatrical experience oh. which i was going i had to google i was like what what do you mean by this and it basically is the show that in its nature it is neither a play nor a musical oh. so therefore mm-hmm. it ends up in its own kind of special category oh, to me that kind of seems like a bit of a backhanded insult it's kind of like <laughs> an ex- experience yeah and it was unique and it was quite unique but hands hands down my favorite award that that's and there are nominations for it this year which i love outstanding puppet design which i'm just like yes that's incredible absolute yes i really find it difficult to believe that there are sufficient utilization of puppets every season <laughs> To justify having an award category. Well, this is the fourth year in a row they've awarded it. Is it always given to a revival of Avenue Q? That's what <laughs> I want to know. 
Um, <laughs> not this year, though. There's the nominees are there's a show called Tomacho, or it could be Tomaco, which I think is that thing they made in The Simpsons when they crossed tomato and tobacco seeds. <laughs> <laughs> is this a room? Is another one, but. For me, what I really hoping and praying wins is Paddington gets in a jam. Oh my god, what an amazing title. Of course. Peru's yeah. favorite bear. Peru's favorite bear. He's going to get himself a Drama Desk Award. I can feel it. I can feel <laughs> it. So there you are. That is the Drama Desk Awards handing out random and crazy awards even in the middle of a lockdown. Nothing's going to stop. Well, we can't fault them for entertainment value, but suffice to say, not too many household names in terms of musicals are making it to the outstanding musical category. (laughs) No. No. Well, considering that we can't find too many familiar names in the world of Broadway at the moment, Adam, you might be able to remedy that by giving us the latest on community news in Ireland. What are musical societies up to in the midst of lockdown? Well, surprisingly... They are not up to too many shows. When you say too many, I presume that number is zero. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to. If, if we find out anyone has, it's going to have to be an inquiry. Like. We're, we're yeah. legally covering ourselves off yeah. just in case. <laughs> we we yeah. are not with them. We do not promote them. An unnamed society. Yeah, no. So there's nothing happening in terms of full scale <laughs> musicals or, you know, like a traditional concert or like. Even fundraising, you know, it's very difficult at the minute. You know, even if you are a society who got your show done pre-Christmas, you know, you probably would have this window as your big fundraising time. So, you know, of course, it's quite mm. it's quite tricky for a lot of those societies to try and and do anything really. You know, it's kind of banned. So, I suppose what I have seen though on my social media feeds, which is kind of quite uplifting, is a couple of societies are doing you know virtual table quizzes and virtual concerts and you know, to try to keep themselves entertained and, you know, their audiences as well. And like particularly because we don't know how long we're going to be in this situation, it's mm. nice to see people trying to find, you know, the new normal. So a couple of special mentions are probably, well, for NACE, a musical society, I suppose they're local, so I'm a, I'm a bit biased. But <laughs> um, they did a virtual concert recently, which I thought was really cool. So kind of at five or six o'clock in the day, they had uh, one of their members, Paul Dicker, was in a full tux as if he was emceeing a concert. And he gave an introduction of all the acts that were going to be. And then over the course of the evening, they uploaded from the official Instagram page and on their stories, uh, videos of their members singing and performing. And it was fantastic, as well as interspersing a couple of you know old videos of their members at previous concerts. So it was really cool and it was really nice kind of way of people coming together, but separately. And then for Moy Musical Society, a little bit further afield, they did a cool thing where they had eight of their members do a version of One Day More from Les Mis virtually as well lovely and it was really good and really enjoyed that and you know there are countless others but you know those are the two that i thought deserved a special mention yeah and and it's it's funny because i think societies will probably have to keep this kind of innovation up for a long long time because one of the things that's becoming increasingly apparent is that this lockdown or this social isolation where or a more accurately social distancing yeah. is going to have to keep going for a long long time and one of the things i was listening to recently was the new york, the new york times do this podcast called the daily and unsurprisingly it's on daily <laughs> so this week they had a segment with their science and health opinion writer who's this guy and he is fantastically named Donald G. McNeil Jr. Oh my God. Which is is the, really the name I want to have when I grow up. And that's the name you give. That's the name yeah. you give when you're trying to buy alcohol. What's right? your name, son? <laughs> Illegally. Uh, Donald 
J Donald yes it's it's very like McLovin yeah it's no one you you kind of feel like very few people under the name of 60 are called Donald but but what he was saying was that he spends a lot of his time talking to epidemiologists and public health experts and he's a really interesting guy because I've been listening to him on this podcast since back in January when this was first becoming apparent and nearly everything that he has said has come to pass wow so he said it's going to you know spread out of china it's going to arrive in europe and in north america and that happens and that we're going to have to have very severe lockdowns and restrictions on economic activity and people's movement if we want to contain this thing and of course that happened but he was talking about this essay from march by the san francisco-based writer thomas pueo and it's called the hammer and the dance and it's on medium.com you can read it if you want it's quite a long read i think it's about half an hour but to give you the cliff notes of it please he essentially says the hammer occurs in order to try to and that's what we're in now it occurs to try to protect our public health so the virus breaks out it breaks out in a big way and the hammer comes down and we're all for a short period of time stuck in very restricted movement stuck indoors but he said once a couple of weeks of that occur. And once we reduce what they call this transmission rate or reproduction rate below one, meaning that one person is giving the virus to less than one person, once that gets well below one, we can go into the second phase of containment, and that's called the dance. And the dance is where we go about our normal lives, but we do it observing public health advice, and we do it observing social distancing. Okay, And we have to keep doing that for as long as there is no vaccine available. And what this guy, Donald G. McNeil Jr. was saying was, you have a situation whereby, yes, we are going to get out of our homes, we are going to return to some semblance of normal life in the coming weeks, but we will have to observe social distancing, a strong degree of social distancing. And that means that activities where you can't socially distance, so attendance of big sporting events, attendance of theater events, things where you're going to be forced to be stuck very close to somebody Mm -hmm. beside you. Those are not going to be permitted because what they will necessarily do is increase the rate of transmission of the virus and bring us to a place where we'll have to go to quite extreme lockdown measures to go back to this hammer again. Yeah. And they were talking about the length of time that this might go on for. And most of the public health advice and most of the people working in the pharmaceutical industry are thinking 18 months is probably the amount of time that we're going to require to get a vaccine. And I know people like Luke O'Neill, who is an immunologist who works in Trinity College Dublin, he's talked a little bit on radio about there being this group of scientists working in the University of Oxford who are optimistic about having a vaccine ready by September or October. But the reality of the fact is no vaccine has ever been created in less than four years. I think four years was (laughs) the mumps vaccine back in the 1950s. And while obviously there's a lot of technology that has improved in that time and there are a lot more advanced techniques in terms of vaccine development, we still very much may be looking at 18 months before we can give up 
that social distancing before a vaccine is created and we can reopen pubs and we can reopen theatres with reasonably large numbers of people in them or we can go to large sporting events or yeah. concerts. So maybe a long, long time. And I think mm. I think when we were all thinking about, and I know certainly we discussed it at committee level in Newbridge Musical Society, we thought to ourselves, well, will we postpone West Side Story until the autumn until maybe yeah. October. And in the end, we decided not to do that. And we decided to postpone West Side Story until April 2021. But listening to these guys, I not only start to think, well, maybe theatres and those kind of gatherings of people are not only not going to be possible in October, but they might not be possible in April 2021 when West Side Story is rescheduled. Yeah, yeah. There's it's, a it's very, very strong part. possibility yeah. that we're still going to be there. Yeah, and I mean, like, clearly, like, the reason, I suppose, mm. that theatre and sport are being singled out, like, on top of them being so close quarters when you're sitting in a theatre mm. or when you're on stage or, like, playing the sport, um, it's probably because they're not also as essential, you know, like, realistically speaking. For sure. So, I mean, in the context of things, if it takes 18 months and the theatres have to stay closed for that long, it's not the biggest consequence. But at the same time, like there's a, such a huge social element to amateur musical society in mm. Ireland, which, you know, people aren't going to get. So you wonder if that is to happen, will societies start to adapt? Will there be more of these virtual concerts? Will there be more Zoom rehearsals? Will people, you know, be doing dance rehearsals in their own homes for the sake of doing them and keeping active and keeping, you know, in contact? Because like you would think that if the next AIM season can't go ahead, like societies can't afford and, you know, like people won't want to have absolutely nothing to do with amateur musical societies and amateur musical theatre for that period of time. So it will be interesting to see what solutions people come up with or, you know, if that comes to pass, how we cope. Incredibly. And so begins the rise of the mobile 10 minute musical that never comes to a full stop in your town and you just lean out your window and <laughs> it's short and snappy i mean to be fair the hammer and the dance is an amazing name for a musical <laughs> oh i assume that was like the name of like matthew bourne's new show some kind of you know there'd be some deep message about like you know the collapse of the construction sector or something like in behind <laughs> it's gonna be really deep and meaningful like that. absolutely so that that's that's good to know i was i was way off of <laughs> it certainly is a good name for a musical i'll give you that and if you want to give your uh your outline for the synopsis of this musical please email it to the oddcast at oddtheater.com or get in touch with us at the oddcast by odd theater on facebook and instagram but don't use my construction industry <laughs> okay that neatly brings us to our guest on today's show, who is just about to take to the stage for her third performance as Dolores von Cartier in Teachers Musical Society's production of Sister Act when the curtain came down on all shows in Ireland. Bronwyn Andrews, however, has already treaded many aboard, having played Rita O'Grady in Cool Mind Musical Society's Maiden Dagnum earlier this season, with previous credits including Lois and Bianca in Kiss Me Kate, Kitty Kiernan in Michael Collins at the Theatre Royal Waterford, and Peggy Sawyer in 42nd Street at the Gaiety Theatre, and has performed as a featured soloist in the Association of Irish Musical Society's 50th anniversary concert at the Borgosh Energy Theatre. Bronwyn received the Ames Best Actress Award for her performance as Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd, and previously received Ames nominations for her roles as Svetlana in Chess, and for playing Millie in the Irish premiere of Thoroughly Modern Millie. Bronwyn has also enjoyed a career as a lead vocalist aboard Princess Cruises and P&O Cruises Australia, as well as playing lead roles in London, such as Nikki Harris in the UK premiere of Curtains the Musical, and the voice of Sonia in their Playing Our Song. 
Bronwyn, thank you very much for joining us today. Are you, like the rest of us, at a bit of a loss with no shows to go to? Oh, stop. It's all very sad, isn't it? Thanks for having me, though. This is a diversion, you... shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> it's something to take the mind off being stuck at home or watching the fourth season of Homeland, whatever you're <laughs> into yourself. But it yeah. does kind of take away from what we would usually be doing at this time of year, which is going around to see everybody that we know and going to see interesting shows. And Absolutely. and that's what, for a lot of people, fills out cheapers. Certainly February through to May when things get pretty heavy in the season. Completely. March and April are the crazy, crazy times, aren't they? Which is why we brought you here, actually, Bron, because we want you to reenact Sister Act that we didn't get to see. We had tickets booked <laughs> for that Thursday. So if you wouldn't no. mind, just one woman show. No We problem. have actually an ulterior <laughs> motive. So maybe you could give us a few bars. Or... <laughs> I mean, like, well, I was, I was about to say that you were smack bang in the middle of that really busy period yeah. in the theatre season. Yes. And you were just about, you'd started your production of Sister Act. And I kind of feel like always when you're going on stage, the third show in a run is sort of like a pivotal moment because you've gotten over any of those nerves that you had. You're kind of getting into the swing of it and then bang, yeah, it's gone. You're not wrong. So you're not wrong. Yeah. Did you see it coming at all? Like personally, and I also think collectively, absolutely not. I think mm. we were blindsided. Obviously, all this was happening, coming up, mm. you know, the, the weeks coming up to us. We had our first few cases in Ireland just the previous week. So this was in the news. Everyone knew about it. But for sure, no one thought that impact was going to happen that quickly. If anything, it was lighthearted comments, lighthearted jokes, maybe, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, God, well, you know, God forbid we don't get to do the show. Wink, wink. You know, this <laughs> like there was no sort of when I even think about tech week where you're in every night and all the announcements about, OK, tomorrow night we're doing this and next week we'll do this and bank call is this time and all that stuff There was never yeah. like. And everyone, just in case, and, you know, it was no sort of, like, contingency plan or, like, nothing. It was just not even on the cards, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. Not even on the cards. I think the only impact that was starting to happen that I was noticing was that I had some uh, family and friends starting to think maybe they couldn't attend due yeah, to okay. their own health issues or health issues of people they live with or yeah. that kind of thing. So I did have some... Like I'd have maybe, uh, you know, older family members who were due, say, on the Saturday that were sort of already getting in touch with me going, I'm not sure it's the best idea I go. And it was like, you know, absolutely, you know, do what you need to do. I have friends who might live with elderly people or partners who had underlying um, issues and whatnot that they were like, I kind of have to think about them, you know, about maybe attending and then coming home to them. So that that was the only impact I was seeing that just people who were planning to come were kind of having to second guess whether they should and then like that because we'd gone to see sister act in nace on the wednesday night and we were kind of thinking geez this is great you know we're going to see sister act in nace on the yeah, wednesday we're going to see sister hours. act in yeah. in teachers on the thursday but like that you kind of were starting to get this little bit of a sense on thursday morning that something was happening because we got this notice that Leo Varadkar, who was in Washington at the time for the St. Patrick's Day celebrations, was going to come on TV with an announcement. And in the midst of this, we were pretty sure it wasn't going to be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the rumors were clear. The rumors are clear. I woke up to that, essentially. I, I was off the week, so I, didn't, I wasn't up majorly early. And I woke up to, you know, you're checking on Facebook and WhatsApp and everything. And there was the rumors of a forthcoming, you know, might have been about 10 o'clock at this time or half 10. Rumors of a forthcoming yeah. announcement of something that may affect things sooner than we think and 
there was a bit of speculation back and forth. We had our private Facebook group going, oh, what's this going to mean? What, what do you think he's going to say? Well, I heard it might be this. I heard it might be that. So it's just a lot of chat, a lot of speculation yeah. back and forth for that good hour or so where we're all just yeah. having a little freak out. And again, if anything, I think the perception would was that it would be from the next day. So there was a good good hour there where our only problem was this is going to be our last night. <laughs> like oh, it, yeah. went, it went to that yeah. level for a while. Right. And yeah. I was already getting on to people who were due on the Friday and the Saturday saying, oh, guys, this might be our last night, just letting you know. And I had friends going, OK, OK, I'll rejig things. Where can I book tickets for tonight? And I was like, well, just 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 hold still there while we just <laughs> wait and see. But, you know, that might be our issue right now. And you know, that was the worst thing to happen at that moment for those couple of hours yeah. that tonight is going to be our last night. Isn't that sad? Mm. And, you know, fast forward to noon or whatever it was, mm-hmm. half 11. And uh, not not only is it groups over 100, I think, was the main thing that hit us. It was that it was to start at 6 p.m. And that yeah. made everyone just go, what does that mean? And, of course, even more buzzing back and forth started getting whatsapp messages from people going can you do your show like what's happening and we're just talking back and forth on the facebook group and and again it's all just the cast going what can we do can we do this can we do that can we like what and we're all just sort of waiting to hear what the committee are going to say because they're being Mm. very silent because they were (laughs) themselves having their own conversation and having their own little freak out and Mm. their own despair and everything until they eventually made the call, made the decision and, you know, fair play to them that they did. They had no yeah. choice and they made the right one, but I couldn't have made it. So yeah, I was going <laughs> to say like them having, for making it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been on a committee like I'm like for us, we are still several weeks out from our show. So our just one was like, OK, obviously we, you know, we can't go ahead. And when are we looking forward to it? I, like, I, I couldn't even imagine yeah. having been on a committee for a show that was on that week to make that, that call, because yeah. like, you know, you're so you're so invested and you're and you just really want you're like we're like for you. You must be like, oh, we're only getting, we're only, not only are we only getting started, but equally it's such a short run. We're like, we're so close. Like, yeah. you know, that kind of way you do anything just to do, do it once more. One more time. Exactly. exactly. And, and hit yeah. that peak. Like you say, we were, we were, that was our peak night for sure. The way it was going. It's the typical arc, yeah. I guess, like, like you say, yeah. but it, for sure it was us. We had a couple of technical issues in the first night. They all got ironed out the second night. Both nights bounced off the stage regardless, but we, yeah. we yeah. had more in us. We had that one jump up you yeah. know and what's that like kind of the news comes out like you've already done your last run like I was like I'm looking at professional shows right that have closed on Broadway and like people are like oh they've played their last performance that's it like it's hard enough for them but like as somebody who's kind of doing it like this is their hobby and stuff like you know initially there was a it was a shock factor there's a bit of an adrenaline as well that you're in a yeah oh god something's happening and that, that's sort of taking over so it wasn't even immediate like it was a bit of a shock I was more about making sure everyone knows, you know, anyone mm-hmm. who I need to tell, let me tell them. Of course. Then I think I rang my mom <laughs> and then I started crying. <laughs> I had a good, had a good then, cry. Always a great choice. I had a cry. Yeah. yeah. I was like, <laughs> this is actually happening. She was uh, simultaneously reading me messages she'd gotten from friends of hers that had been there the night before and mm. we're giving sending off wonderful rave reviews to uh, my mom about the show so she's reading them out to or, me and i'm like oh, <laughs> this isn't helping had your parents gotten in to see it thankfully thankfully my parents were there the opening oh, night fantastic. i, That's I think okay. i would have reached the absolute depths of despair had they not yeah. they, they have they have a really good tradition that i recommend everyone take on from now on which they go opening and closing night <laughs> yeah and well this well that's that's what it is because this year unfortunately my sister she was in nace's yes. mu- she was in their production sister 
and mom and dad i had been on the wednesday and mom and dad were due to go the thursday night so yeah. they never they never got to see yeah, it and, and, and like mother. and like and above all else i was just like i know i'm really sad for you that like you know the show's closed and stuff but i'm really sad that mom and dad didn't get a chance to see yeah. it. i think that for me more yeah. than anything else like you know when you want people to see it like like yeah. obviously you want everyone who's paid their money to come see it but when it's people that you know you're close friends and family but you're you doing so it for yeah. people that you want to see and, and they want to see all the work you put in and and ron i wonder like did you have to go and get your costumes and like bits and pieces from the theater and so well, that, that must have been exactly surreal it. that was the play out of the day essentially that the once the news was broken and we were all the outpouring on the phones and the Facebooks and everything. The next thing was, could everyone get to the venue as soon as you can? Or not as soon, when you can, you know? Yeah. Some people were working, some weren't. And it was about, we have to literally dismantle, pack up and leave. <laughs> and that's that was the absolutely heartbreaking thing. Oh. We also have to remember, this is Teachers Musical Society. 90% of that cast are teachers. They were yeah. all in school. They were all being told the school is closing in an hour and they all had that hour to pack up and send their kids off with worksheets or workbooks or whatever was happening in the schools at that hour. So they were like of all the kind of professions that this was affecting as well. Yeah. It was 90% of the cast in a school being told that they had to deal with all that stuff as well, while also being told, yeah, your show is cancelled. So they were sort of arriving in drips and drabs to the venue once they're individual schools had finally closed up and shut their doors and everything I arrived in that afternoon it was all about getting packed up and Andrew Reddy our costumeer as efficient as anything was immediately on the whole right nuns outfits over there you know habits over there glittery stuff over there <laughs> and it was full-on pack up you know it was like look let's just get the practical stuff out of the way the sooner we pack up the sooner we get stuff back to their where we're getting them from and and this the, you know the crew were in they were dismantling the set Dennis Toomey our, the lighting designer the Ames renowned lighting designer um, you may know he came in like they were so distraught with such an amazing crew and they only come in quite, quite late in the process you know And but yeah. they're so involved and they're so with you across the way he came in with his notes of what to change in his plots and everything for that night he did it he, he, he had to do it he was like I can't just not complete this he went in did all his plot changes, did all his fixing, and then took it all down. Yeah. <laughs> like he was like, I, I just oh. had to. I had to finish. It's heartbreaking, that isn't it? Yeah. It was awful. And the more people, because it was all drips and drabs, the soon the more someone else arrived, the tears started again. You know, every yeah. new person that came in the door, there was more tears. Everyone had some awful story of like their parents didn't make it and they meant to, and then it got changed mm. to Friday. And you know, some people had absolutely no one in. They were all due in Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. I only had very few in. All my people were due in Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Some people had everyone in, so they were lucky, you know, just... You did get to play a very iconic uh, role, though, albeit for two performances, <laughs> Dolores von Cartier. She's a hell of a lot of fun. I was going to ask you, does it leave you feeling like you have unfinished business with Dolores? Does it leave you feeling that I really want to find a place to play Dolores for a whole run or do you feel like you know you've had your experience with her it's a good question i think because mo- it's it's more so from the show point of view that we feel that i feel cheated that yeah. yeah you know like we didn't hit our 
like we kept we kept joking that night not to be crude but you know we didn't climax (laughs) (laughs) just what happened guys we were so close (laughs) we just did not climax so but um you know we we didn't get to hit our peak it was so so going to be there that night so knowing where the show was for a number of weeks it's testament to the the creative team and the cast how tight that show was even weeks beforehand like it was just waiting for an audience for a good couple of weeks it was a really really tight show so knowing where it could have got to and we just had that one night to get there was is really heart-wrenching and and definitely a feeling finished when it comes to the parts which is your actual question um (laughs) i i don't know because the entire rehearsal process is a huge part of the part you know the the finding finding that character finding her reactions to everything finding her feelings along the way and uh, her relationships with all the other characters is a huge part of the process so I've, I've done all that and you know I had the two performances I can't I can't even feel too bad that I, I did get that opportunity so I don't know and because it's so physically demanding <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh my god I was I was a wreck like I'm not gonna lie I'm I'm not a spring chicken as much as I'd like to be. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know I don't it, it's more from the feeling of I haven't put it to bed yet is more the show as a collective I think yeah that's a that's a, that's a great point in fairness like you know that yeah obviously you could go back to these roles again and again and again but every time every different every production of it's going to be totally different it's going to have a new slant so that that's that's a really that's an excellent mm. point you know that like it's it's not in the sense of like oh I'll never get to play Dolores again but it's like I'll never get to do it and we say it all the time like every time a show's come to the end like you know connor our chairman and newbert he's a great man saying like you know look around you'll never be in the room with this same group of people doing this again like you know know, and that's a great point like it is so true it's that moment of that time and that show and that particular production with those people it's it's uh it's not just turning out the same part again one of the ideas that was floated i mean we did have a question in on instagram about what could be done for societies that had to cancel their shows midway through the production and I, I kind of thought about it, and the idea, I think, has been floated a little bit that, well, maybe some of those societies who had their productions cancelled mid-run could perform at the opening of some future AIMS award ceremony, just as, as recognition of the effect that this has had on societies or that this pandemic has had on societies around the country. Is, is that something that strikes you as a nice idea? I do. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that'd be a great idea. Of course, if that happened now, I'd be absolutely shitting it. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't say, I didn't say that, but uh, I do think it's a great idea. I think it should be acknowledged in some way because you know we know of forty, fifty shows that didn't happen, yourselves included. Mm. But that's definitely different to the people that were pulled halfway through, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Like, uh, and that's a, that's a very a much smaller number, you know, and much much more of an impact to those groups and those and the people involved. So, I think yeah, some sort of a nod to it would be a great idea and a chance a chance to just like feel like you're doing it one more time in whatever shape yeah exactly and especially you know we're talking about aims i presume like you only had two runs and the other societies cut halfway through i'd say a lot of them struggled to be adjudicated you know i presume you didn't get adjudicated in your two-night run <gasps> well dun 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 <laughs> we actually did <laughs> oh wow oh, oh, that. that's very what? lucky i know and very dramatically told <laughs> your intro music <laughs> We got very lucky in whatever schedule worked out there, and we got adjudicated on our second night on Wednesday. So you are eligible for awards. We are. 
fingers crossed you managed to pick up some nominations at teachers and no doubt well deserved i do we talked a little bit about at the start about trying to entertain ourselves without any shows going on and one of the things that we've been going to as a proxy are all of these streamed musicals that we uh, find online. One of them that I noticed was, of course, the Candor and Ebb musical Curtains, which had a UK tour with Jason Manford. And I think that was that ended up closing down due to the pandemic outbreak. But what they decided to do was stream a version of it and you could pay to watch that stream with a donation to charity. And I know that Curtains has a very particular place in your heart because you were in the UK premiere of Curtains in London in 2012. That's right. Playing Harris. <laughs> An incredible experience, oh, <laughs> no doubt, because it's a really, really different show. Being yeah. a kind of a musical whodunit, I think that's how they describe it. <laughs> exactly what it is. It's a great show. Oh, it was fabulous. That was, what did you say, 2012? Yeah, 2012. I was in London about seven months up by then. So it was my first proper gig which was fabulous proper gig to be to be wow, involved yeah. with and a, and a featured principal role as well which is wonderful um it's such a great show it was it was it just summed me up completely <laughs> for that type of show to be in with it's your your quintessential of musical storylines you know it's got the broadway style it's 50s show it's show within a show who doesn't love stories about show within a show like i've done 40 seconds three three times for god's sake it's a show within a show it's and it's a whodunit on top of that you know it's it, and it's it's so tongue-in-cheek it's it's people taking the mick out of being show people mm. like it's it's just brilliant and a, a great premise and a great part to play she was the nikki's like the romantic lead she's the ideal broadway starlet who will do do anything to be on stage because it's, it's just her life she'll do anything and is, and like Ooh. having having seen curtains a couple of times what i love what i love about well obviously all of it is the whole kind of whodunit bit of it and obviously you know the whole build-up kind of like you know you're, you're starting to suspect everyone but like for you as like a performer is it kind of difficult to get that balance because like there's bits in it that i love for like nikki she comes on isn't she like holding the gun and she's like oh now my fingerprints yeah. are all <laughs> over <dear>. the gun <laughs> And like, so that, is it difficult to get a bit of a balance there between like you know obviously you're kind of you're playing up the whole thing about being a suspect but equally not veering too close to like leaning out to the audience you know like, huh, huh, you see what i did there you see what i did it there might be me yeah i think it was just getting her complete innocence hmm. correct there because well we don't want to give away the plot <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen who actually did uh -huh. it i don't but, think uh, you could solve it on your own just by looking at the plot though no i'm sorry i have <laughs> yeah, i have to ask you i have to ask you does does the plot not infuriate you? Does it not yeah. make you so apocalyptically angry how that show ends? Dan, like, do you have strong feelings about the plot of Curtains? Yeah, Dan, let's talk about that. I just, I was like every time, and, I, and I've seen it. So then, and then when I saw it again, and I knew what happened, and I still came away as angry because I was just like, like we're not spoiling it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but there's just no way on God's green earth you could figure that out. And I'm just like, that's not no. fair. It's not fair. I felt she, no. I felt, basically it was just my actually my incompetence. That's what that's why I'm angry. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. It's a funny one because even people who've done it and then we go to see a show a few years later were like, I forget how this ends. Like it's just it's so obvious ending. We're like, I've done the show. And I forget how it ends. What the hell? Yeah, it's a funny one. It's a, it's 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 slightly contrived, shall we say? Let's, let's throw together these reasons for this person 
having done this murder. Well, or it, but, it uh, is definitely a musical for our time, seeing as we all have to observe wide open spaces between. Couldn't resist. Bronwyn, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very oh, much God. for joining us today. No, and uh, very, very much Thank hope to see me. you on stage soon. Sure, listen, we will keep our fingers crossed for all of us, but uh, it's been a joy. Thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you. Of course, we look forward to seeing Teachers Musical Society on stage, hopefully next year. But in the meantime, guys, you'll probably have seen this thing. And those who are more popular culture (laughs) au fait than me, we'll have to explain it to some degree. But Bill Clinton swag. Yeah. So this is one of those Instagram tag challenges, which, you know, obviously as someone who hasn't got a personal Instagram account, I can see why you maybe haven't come across it yet, <laughs> Kean. But essentially, Bill, Kin- Bill Clinton swag, it's a bit of a tongue teaser, um, or maybe it's just me. Um, that is essentially, it's an Instagram tagging challenge. So you get tagged by one of your friends and it's a picture of Bill Clinton for God knows what reason, with four blank records around him. And you fill the blanks using the website with your four favorite albums. Uh, so I thought it might be I good would say that we... something like this risks offending the dignity of the office of president, but I don't think that's something that we have to worry about anymore. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that dignity is long gone. <laughs> so so what? So you name, you name your four albums that are yeah, your favorite yeah. four albums. Exactly. So what are your four? My four. What are your four favorite <laughs> musical theater albums in the world? I know you don't have any interest in albums outside of mm-hmm. musical theater, so I know that these <laughs> will be restricted to. Yes, we established that. I think in the last episode, we established that I've heard every musical mm-hmm. album. Clearly. So yeah, you're, you're really knowledgeable on musicals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we've established that. I, in fact, listened to my first two <laughs> This, no, I'm kidding. So <laughs> I've listened to precisely four musicals, all of which are on this list. Yeah, just have enough to do the Bill Clinton tag. In fact, yeah. I've only listened to three. The fourth one is a musical of my own invention, yeah. and it's called The Hammer and the Dance. And, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, and it's a concept album by me. It's kind of like Stomp in that all the instruments is just me with a hammer, essentially. I actually thought it would be about a construction worker that was taught waltz by an aging neighbor. Oh. I assumed I assumed it was going to be a jukebox musical of MC Hammer. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Peyton, Quick, get the interns. Patent pending, patent pending. <laughs> Three really viable options. But tell us what they are. Tell us the musicals that you love, that you would take to a desert island with Bill Clinton. I'm pretty sure what that, yeah, that's the premise it. of this, right? Yeah, I think I'm going to need them as like weapons to defend myself or, you know. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead style. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. So these are the four I wouldn't throw in that scenario these are the four i would keep i would throw everything else um so yeah i think when i started looking at this in my short list i realized i had four stephen sondheim musicals listed and so i I thought oh that sounds a bit nerdy so (laughs) i decided to i want you to do the rest of this in seven eight timing okay it'll be quite tricky and also i'll change key every two bars um So, yeah, so I've decided to cull the list. I now instead have three Stephen Sondheim musicals and one non-Sondheim musical. So shortlisted was West Side Story, but it's been cut to make room for Into the Woods, the original Broadway cast, Company, the 2006 revival, Sweeney Todd, original Broadway cast, and then Mamma Mia. What? The original London cast. Yes. Really? Yes. I am 
absolutely obsessed with Mamma Mia. I mean, I would actually would pick the movie version over the what? London version. But if we're being really, you know, diehard about it being actual musicals, stage musicals, then I would put Mamma Mia I... in. But if movie musicals are allowed. Yeah, it's a bit of a left turn. I wish it was a video series. Like, you should see my face on it. I, 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 that was such a that was such a left turn. I, I'm still kind of processing that. That's that's. Wow. So at what point did you decide when you were going down the Sondheim route that you just, you're like, I'm going to jettison musical sophistication? Um, I've had enough of that. When I heard the infectious dance music of ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> Benny and Bjorn, they do have musical pedigree. They do. You know, they have written some stuff, but yes. wow. Oh, they wrote chess. Yeah, I don't really like chess. I would happily take Mamma Mia over chess any day of the week. I like Anthem from chess and I like Pity the Child. Pity the child. It's everything brilliant. And I like, I know him so well. And everything else from chess, I dislike. It's a good thing we're not in the same room right now, mate. <laughs> there are weird bits from like Endgame in chess where they decide to like name every oh, international yeah. chess yeah. champion from like nine, the 1920s. Yeah, no, I didn't get that far. The 80s. I didn't get that far. I, I was listening um, to it in the car once and just like skipping. You know, hey Siri, skip every time. <laughs> you know, got a minute in, wow. was like, this song is not working. Whereas Mamma Mia, I never asked Siri to skip. Not once. I'm perplexed by your list because it is both <laughs> eclectic and incredibly consistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like there's one outlier. You're like, this guy is, you know, I see a pattern here. It's all about time, but also <laughs> clearly, like he's the man who likes fine dining, who's not afraid of drive through every now and again. <laughs> But it's kind of, and I suppose even of those like Sondheim picks, like those are pretty mainstream ones. Yeah. Like I was, you know, I was yeah, okay. listening to Merrily We Roll Along, which I think famously had three or four performances on Broadway after the previews before it got caught. <laughs> some of the songs are really good, but there's also some stuff in there where it's just, it's like, okay, like this is the fifth time you've used this melody, Stephen. We get it. <laughs> yeah. Massive, massive shout out to that 2006 uh, version of company like Raul Esparza is just oh, oh he is unbelievably is good. It's big so fan good. of that one. I can't I can't say though like original Sweeney Todd really. I'm a big fan, and I mean there's a one glaring error that does irk me. It's that Len Carew has his own Canadian yeah. accent yeah. as Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. That was going to be know? my point as well. Like I'm like he he sounds he, like like where is he Fleet Street via Toronto? Like you know like it's not <laughs> yeah good. yeah. I mean, but his voice is so good to me. It kind of like I allow it. And also you have Angela Lansbury Fair as point. Mrs. Lovett, which is like, yeah, here we go. Yeah, I really like that version. I like there's no other version where I really like the Sweeney Todd's voice. Like even when Michael Ball did it, I just he, he didn't work for me. Great Marius. Well, great Marius, <laughs> but not a great Sweeney for me. <laughs> Stay in your lane, Michael Ball. Those are the words from Adam Dan. What do you have for us? What are your four swagalicious? Swagadocious? Supercalifragilisticexpiswagadocious. Hello now. I took severe liberties with this now, to be honest with you, because wow. like, yours are like the soundtracks to like the actual stage versions of it. Mine are, they are all musicals, don't worry. But like, they are a bit, you know, loose with the definition of original cast recording. So the first one I have is the arena tour version of Jesus Christ Superstar, which I think was about 2011, 2012. Mm. Side, little tiny asterisk. It's actually not 
available as an album, but if you put it in the Bill Clinton swag generator, it still shows up. So it, it counts for the it counts for the purposes of this challenge. <laughs> so it's Bill Clinton approved. Got his seal of approval. <laughs> I approve this message. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and then aside from that, so that it is allowed technically. Then I have Beautiful, which is the Carol King musical, which is the original oh, yeah. Broadway cast recording of that. I just love that so much. Just a great album to sit down. It's to, I had no idea when I saw that show how many well-known songs that she and her husband had written for other people. Like, oh, it's, it's crazy. insane. Because we mentioned that. I, mm. didn't, I didn't even know she had anything to do with like the locomotion. I was like, I didn't know she wrote that. And it was just bonkers. I have Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, but it is the 1999 movie version with Donny Osmond because he is a far superior Joseph to Jason Donovan. There, I said it, said it out loud. Far <laughs> superior. It's absolutely it's true. true. It's and my true. last one, controversially, and once again, well, not controversially, but given what Adam said, uh, is the 2011 version, concert version of Chess. (laughs) 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 Because, wow. (laughs) You know, Benny and Bjorn are getting a lot of love today. It's very very strange. And the reason I've gone with the concert version, because I know Chess obviously started as a concept album, and that's great. It is brilliant. But what I like about the 2011 concert version is, is that in later versions of Chess, they added a song for Svetlana, who plays the Anatoly's wife, and it's uh, someone else's story, which is just so good. And in the concert version, Carrie Ellis sings that. She plays that part. And it's just, I was like, if I was ever to do like one of those like Broadway backwards concerts where lads sing girl songs, I was like, that is my, that's my girl song I'm singing. Like, it's so good. And yeah, just love it. So I, I did not appreciate the shade thrown at chess earlier on this one. So I'm bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Benny and Bjorn getting equal amounts of yeah, love and hate exactly. in the same segment. But there, that's my four. That's my Bill Clinton yeah. musical swag right there Kean hit us yeah come back to you <laughs> right so what are the odds this is four shows we have never oh, heard of very high <laughs> yeah, I, I, again if I'm unfortunately trapped on an island with Bill Clinton and I have only four albums to listen to <laughs> I'm going to take stuff that I listen to time and time again which is not necessarily going to be the most experimental stuff in fair the enough. world fair point yeah, yeah good yeah, choice yeah. <laughs> my first one is Phantom and okay. I really struggled between two really really good versions of well actually three really really good versions of phantom because obviously you have the original cast with crawford yeah michael crawford and sarah brightman and michael crawford's breathiness his sort of otherworldliness as the phantom is perfect for the role yeah but it then perhaps lacks the power that you have with ram and karamloo in the 25th anniversary version this is true and actually the canadian version with Colin Wilkinson as the Phantom from I think 97 is actually a really, really good album if you can get your hands on it. And Colin Wilkinson does a brilliant Phantom. Oh, wow. But I am going to have to go with that 25th anniversary version. It is stunning. With Ram and Carmelou and Sierra Bogues. Like, so it is brilliantly sung. Yeah, he doesn't really have that kind of otherworldliness and kind of ghostly sounding voice of a Michael Crawford. But what he lacks in that, he just carries with so much emotion in his voice. It's a different Phantom. It's a much more, I don't know, aggressive Phantom maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but the way his voice, particularly at the very end of the show, like those kind of guttural screams that he gets out as Christine is sailing across the the water underneath the theater away from him. It's brilliant. And I listen to that all the time. But I did have to get Colin Wilkins in in another way, (laughs) which was the 1976 
original concept album for Avita, oh, where he wow. plays Shay. And mm. I don't think, I mean, everybody listening to this who's Irish and who has an interest in musical theatre will have heard lots of Colin Wilkinson. To me, I don't think he ever really sounds better than he does on that album. That's high praise. Barbara Dixon as Mistress, Tony Christie as mm. Augustine as well, which is just brilliantly sung. Tony Christie has this velvety voice, which is perfect for Augustine. It's a great album. It's a really, yeah. really great album. And I think much better than the original cast recording. So if you're going to listen to Evita, listen to it that way. There are a couple of differences between that and the original cast recording, but it is super. Outside of that, Light in the Piazza, Ooh, nice. which is the Adam Guttel musical from, two th- I think it won certainly best score in 2005 and featured an incredible cast, which had Victoria Clark, Kelly O'Hara, and of course, Matthew Morrison from Glee fame, right. Glee's Mr. Schuster. <laughs> it's set in Italy It has this kind of beautiful symphonic score. It's so different than pretty much anything else you'll really hear in a modern musical. Quasi-operatic and part of it's sung in Italian, but it's so inventive in the way it's crafted. I absolutely love the show. And my last spot, I didn't feel it was fair to leave Alan Menken (laughs) out of it. So I'm going to put Little Uh, Shop of Horrors in. What version? The original 1982. That revival one from 2003 where they reorchestrated it, slowed all the songs down, put in horns and everything. It just ruins it for me. That show is about five instruments. It's about a rock band. Yeah. And it's up-tempo and it's raw. And that's what that show should be. And it's sublime. So there we are. Yeah. Me and me and Bill will be listening <laughs> to that. But seeing as that's what we're listening to at the moment, I know that you've been listening to two musicals in particular, Adam. I have. So indeed. in the last episode, Dan and I, much like Nick Cage and John Travolta, decided to have a faced off. <laughs> and we both put musicals to you. Yes. In my case, Jasper in Deadland. And in Dan's case, Beetlejuice. And it was up to you to decide whose recommendation was better. Yeah. And before you tell me it was mine, <laughs> I just want to say that I've always valued your opinion. <laughs> and you're a man of you're a man of great taste. You will <laughs> Yeah, and I very much appreciate your use of your unpost postcard to bribe me as well. I did appreciate <laughs> you know that wad of cash stapled to a postcard did some of the two euros fall out from under the sellotape <laughs> depends if you meant to send me one then i presume some of them did fall out oh no he, no, no that was all of it <laughs> yeah like to be honest this was quite like it was quite a tough choice so it was my first time listening to both of these musicals and they're quite similar like they both have that kind of rocky pop punk inspired broadway thing now full disclaimer i do really like rock music I don't tend to like rock musicals except for a few like obvious exceptions. Like I don't like the American idiots and the bad of the hells of this world, but I'm not sure how popular those are anyway. You know, the obvious exceptions for good musicals being Spring Awakening and Jesus Christ Superstar. But I thought they both use that style pretty well. Like they both deal with the undead and the afterlife. So that style suited. I think Jasper used a lot more interesting melodies and harmonies in creating that weirdness, you know, particularly in songs like Goodbye Jasper, which is the opening track, and the Deadland Welcome, 
which is when Jasper first arrives in Deadland and he gets this. It's very, it reminds me of A Nightmare Before Christmas when they all sing Halloween Town. It's got that kind of vibe to me where you've got the whole town <laughs> kind of chipping in a line here and there. <laughs> Equally, there was one song in Beetlejuice that I loved, uh, which is Fright of Their Lives, which is really cool. So if anyone knows the movie Beetlejuice, when Beetlejuice is trying to train uh, the couple who's uh, the Maitlands is their surname, how to be scary to try and uh, get rid of the living out of their house. It's just fantastic the way he puts it together. But the issue with Jasper and Deadland where that kills it is there are just too many songs that I neither liked nor disliked and, and I would struggle to remember them even looking at the name of the song as I have in my notes. They're just really forgettable songs. So it's not that I dislike them. It's just that I didn't really have an opinion on them. They were fine within the context of the album. But I don't think I would ever listen to them again on their own. Whereas Beetlejuice has a couple of more songs that I do like. So Beetlejuice wins it by a hair. What? The end result was Beetlejuice... An outrage. Gets... I demand a recount. <laughs> Beetlejuice gets a 6 out of 10 for me. And Jasper is a 5 oh. out of 10. So mm. I love the smell of success in the afternoon. And your 2 euro is on its way back to you, Keen. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, one has to be magnanimous in <laughs> defeat. If anybody is interested in a recently opened vacancy for a co-host of The Oddcast, <laughs> you can email us at theoddcast at oddtheatre.com. I mean, you have to resign, Keen. Like, like, don't take it that badly. <laughs> My credibility is shot. I cannot go on. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if you'll be so lucky in a fortnight's mm. time, Dan, because... Hit me with two new albums. Oh, I'm going to pitch my new album. And my album is Songs for a New World Ooh. Ooh. by Jason Robert Brown. Good. I have heard of him, but not the musical. <laughs> yeah. So you probably know Jason Robert Brown from Parade. He did the last five years. He did Bridges of Madison County. It's a really, really, really good show. But Songs for a New World is sort of a weird halfway house between a musical and mm. a song cycle. It doesn't really have a traditional narrative. It's played by four actors the four actors don't play the same character in every song, but they do have a character development within their different characters that right. you can track. And all of the songs are really based on the moment of decision and the moment of decision in different scenarios. And because it doesn't have the linear progression of a traditional book narrative, it's a little bit freer to yeah. throw in some really, really interesting pieces of music. And as an album, I think it's just spectacular the songs are just sublime so i don't really want to kind of spoil it too much or kind of get into describing too much of the stuff behind the songs i think you know listening to the lyrics and listening to the feel of the song you'll probably be able to draw out a little bit of the story but it's definitely more abstract than your traditional show but a brilliant listen so yeah. really highly recommend it well that's not an issue it being non-linear because obviously i have company in my top four well there you go i'm pandering to your taste <laughs> <laughs> go on right. dan what are you bringing mm, to the table? I feel like <laughs> I'm probably going to be performing Harry Carey on myself this week. With my <laughs> I, I feel like it is going to be a bit of falling on like my own sword, but I don't care. Drunk with success, but also, you know, I'm I'm here to please not just not just Adam. I, I don't care about what Adam thinks. I care about what you think, listener out there at home. This one is for you. Not, but also, I would like to win. It's internal struggle going on right here. But my choice this week is 
and Juliet. So this is this is a, a very recent musical. And the premise behind the show is basically in the story of Romeo and Juliet, you know, at the end of it, obviously, he takes um, what is it? He takes some kind of like little kind of potion that makes it look like he's dead and lies down beside. And then the idea is that, you know, they'll run away together. But Juliet never hears this side of the plan. So she wakes up and she looks at him. He's like, oh, he's dead. And she's like, well, I can't go on living anymore. I'm going to kill myself. That's how that ends. <laughs> Why do people keep referencing Romeo and Juliet yeah, as a beautiful love story? I when it I know it like only that. came out recently. Jesus it only came Christ. out recently, so I'm really sorry for anyone who hasn't read it yet. <laughs> he and you're like Phoebe and <laughs> friends when she doesn't know how old Yellow ends. The video was always turned off just at the end when they got married, and that was how it ended. Exactly. <laughs> but this musical kind of takes a look at it. When she wakes up, she's like, oh, he's dead. Do you know what? I'm actually not end myself and I'm going to go off and I'm going to be a strong, independent woman and I'm going to see what the world has for me. So that's what the musical is about. And it is it is a jukebox musical. So all the songs and when I was looking at the song list for it, I couldn't I, I couldn't figure out the link between them all because you're talking about you've got like Larger Than Life, which is Backstreet Boys. You've got Baby One More Time by Britney Spears. You've got a bit of Roar from Katy Perry. And then very relevant for this week because it is gonna be May by NSYNC. <laughs> like, and I was like, what's the link? But like, because obviously a jukebox musical nine times out of ten, it's like because it's a particular artist. So I was kind of like, yeah. what's the link here? But the link is a guy called Max Martin, who basically either wrote or co-wrote all of these songs. So he's like the one behind the music. He's done like he's the producer and he's like written the book and the lyrics and all this stuff. But that's my recommendation. I mean it again like the Olivier's have already announced their nominations it's leading the way with nine nominations this year so it is like the critics love it Mm. but the real question is you know does Adam love it that's the real that's the real question here all right Adam well we look forward to your adjudication of these two Mm -hmm. musicals in a fortnight's time all right well that brings us to the end of today's show thank you very much for listening if you want to get in touch with us please email the oddcast at oddtheatre.com or get in touch with us on instagram or facebook at the oddcast by odd theater until a fortnight's time stay safe chat soon <laughs>